Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. I heard something this week that really bothered me. New York State will now allow transgender minors, minors, to change their gender marker on their birth certificates to reflect their gender identity instead of their sex assigned at birth. I don't know if that bothers you, but it bothers me. In fact, listen, this is, what, this is what the New York State Attorney General said. Effective immediately, transgender individuals born in New York, and see, they, they say it like, it like it's an accepted transgender. If you, I mean, you, it's not like, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they just say it like it's, a, like it's a fact. It's an accepted thing. Transgender individuals born in New York will have the right to make this deeply personal decision without the government's unwarranted denial or without having their privacy violated. But you can spin anything, you can spin something any way you want it, I guess. And they said, we will not allow an outdated policy to stop us from providing every individual with equal dignity and respect. Last week, Virginia, the state of Virginia, banned licensed medical professionals from practicing conversion therapy. And they weren't, you know, there's 20 states, 20 states. I don't know if you knew that or not. 20 states. New York was, in January of 19, New York did it. But it bans medical professionals from practicing what they call conversion therapy, trying to help somebody who's totally taken over by demons. You know, you can silence every voice. You can throw every, every dissenting voice in prison or do away with them or banish them to some island or whatever, but it doesn't stop the fact that some things are right and some things are wrong. It doesn't change it. The truth is the truth. And I want to talk to you about a virus today, but not a, not a physical virus, not the coronavirus or any other virus. It's a virus that has infected the hearts and minds of men for hundreds, thousands of years. It's an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit that invades the hearts and minds of people and, and it brings them to a place where they totally reject God. They reject his ways. They, they reject his existence. They don't want to believe that God even exists. And they get angry when you try to tell them otherwise. They don't just disagree with you. They get angry. I mean, our, Pastor Darren, our son-in-law, was telling us about an incident 
where there was a Senate hearing going on for someone who's being confirmed for some White House position. I forget what it was. And the, and the per person asking the questions happened to be Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, this is not an anti-Sanders. I'm just telling you, he happened to be the one. Anyway, this, this person who's being questioned is, is, a, is a staunch Christian and in college wrote a paper. And in the paper, he said something about Muslims not being saved. And so he got questioned on that. Are you trying to tell me? And they get angry. You know, are you trying to tell me that that Muslim person is, is not going to heaven? No, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you don't repent, you're not going to heaven. That's what Jesus said. But they're angry about it. They don't want to, they don't want to admit that there's a God. They don't want to submit to his ways. Why? Because if there is a God, then they're responsible to him. And they want, they want to be the apex Thinkers, what we do, what we decide, an outdated policy of trying, of, of taking a baby fresh from the womb and looking at it and saying it's a boy or it's a girl. What an outdated policy. And if, and if that doesn't bother Christians, something's wrong. It should bother us because this virus... And, has, has infected hearts and minds of men for, for thousands of years, but it's coming to like a fruition. It's crazy what's going on in our nation. And it's really, I don't know, it's doing something in me. I am praying more for our country today than I have ever in my life. I'm praying for the president. I'm praying for Congress. I'm praying, I'm praying for people that seem to be in opposition to what I believe is right. I'm praying for them that they would, that somehow God would take one of them and use them like the Apostle Paul. One who's just anti-God and anti-spirit and anti-Christian and anti-religion and anti-anti and, and somehow visit them in the night or whatever and cause them to become a whole new person, a voice for God. I don't know who that might be, but I'm praying. I'm saying, God, we need you. We need you in this country more than any other time in our lives. And we can't stand back and not do anything. Help me. You know, I don't know if this is the message that I'm, but I just, I got this stirring in me. You know, when we first moved to Rome, God led us to a, a little Methodist church in Steuben, pastored by Bob Smallman, Pastor Bob Smallman, wonderful man of God. He was an evangelist who was, who was a pastor. So every single one of his messages, I don't care where he started. He could start off Revelation, Genesis, doesn't matter. Anything in between, he always ended up on salvation. Every, every Sunday was, I mean, that's just him. He was an evangelist. But we met some wonderful people up there, dairy farmers. And, and one of the first Sundays we were there, one of, the, one of these dairy farmers invited us over to, to their farm for dinner after church. And we went there, and you know what? The whole place smelled like a barn. I mean, inside the house wasn't strong, but you know, you get on a dairy farm, the, everything smells like the cows. But you know what? They don't smell it. You know why? Because they've been around it so long. And I'm concerned that some of the things that are going on in our country is like farm stink. We get around them long enough, we don't, we, we're not even bothered by them anymore. We just kind of take it for granted that that's just the way things are and oh well, no. 
I feel like it's time for the church to arise. And I don't know if all this, what I've just mentioned, I don't know, this is, and this is not an anti-gay message. It's not an anti, it's an anti, it's a, it's, I, my heart goes out to these people. Because they, they don't, they don't realize what danger, they don't realize the danger they're in. They don't understand that one of these days they step out of their bodies and they face this God that they have been rebelling against their whole lives and they're doomed to eternity, to eternal damnation. And that's what bothers I don't want to see it. I don't want to see anybody get, get, go to hell. I don't want to see it. You wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. Some things are right and some things are wrong. There is a truth. And God is the determiner of truth. You know, you don't have to tell a six-year-old when they've done something wrong. You know, you're in the kitchen and all of a sudden from the other room you hear a crash. Crash! You walk in the other room and you say, what happened? And the little kid's standing there saying, I don't know. Why are they denying that? Because they, they know. It's like instinctively. No one told them you shouldn't break that or whatever. But what, what they, know, they know some things are right and they know some things are wrong. I really believe that deep inside every one of us, there's like, there's a, like a moral compass. Where's that Romans chapter 2. Romans 2 verse 14. For when the Gentiles, who do not have the law, do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law unto themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. It says the Gentiles don't have the law, but they still do instinctively the things, some of the things that are written. They know it's wrong to murder. They know it's wrong to lie. They know it's wrong to steal. They know there's something, a moral compass in every, in every one of us that knows some things are right and some things are wrong. And you can deny it all you want, but something deep in the inside is saying, no, it's wrong. Don't do it. It's wrong. And that's why some of these people that are into these weird lifestyles are so confused. They're a mess. Because there's such a contradiction going on inside their lives. There's a guilt and a shame for us. But, but everyone's telling them it's okay. So if everyone's telling me it's okay, it must be okay. But something deep on the inside, if I listen to it, says, no, it's not okay. For the wrath of God, Romans chapter 1, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Well, I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul nails it. He just nails it. You know why? Because it's not Paul. It's the Holy Spirit writing through him and, and delivering this word to us. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Why? Because they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. They can deny it all they want. 
but something deep on the inside says there is a God. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. When God begins to move in someone's life, the Holy Spirit begins to work on them. It causes a stirring on the inside. We all have our own testimonies of how we came to God. It started with me years ago. I'm not sure. Sometime before I ever even got saved, I know that. Someone put in my wife's hand a book called uh, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Everybody remember that book? And I remember we were traveling somewhere. We were going down to Florida or something. I remember reading it. And, it, and, and God used that to be, just begin to stir something on the inside of me. And then we went all we went wherever we were going to go. We went to, they sent me to, the Air Force sent me to school, pilot training. I was fortunate enough to get a fighter assignment, went to Florida for training. And after that, we went to our first fighter squadron in Michigan. Then we went to another one in Michigan. In the midst of all that, I got an assignment to go to Thailand. Well, the airplane I was going to fly in Thailand was not the same one I was flying in the United States. So I had to go train in that. I went to Thailand, spent a year flying, and came back. And they were going to put me back in that original fighter that I was flying at first. And so I had to go back to Florida to kind of what they call requalify. And see, this is what God began to do with me. I went back there. It's like, you know, this should be the greatest job in the world. I mean, I should, I should be willing to do this. For, I mean, this is tremendous. What, what I'm doing is, is to me, it's, such, it's so rewarding. And yet, why do I feel empty? I, I know, I've been here before. I know what I'm going to do when I leave here. I'm going to go to a school. I'm going to be doing this. I'll be doing the same thing I did a few years ago. Why don't I look forward to it? What, you know, God began to stir something on the inside of me. It's like, what is, is, this, is this all that life is about? What happens after? Now, I was raised Roman Catholic, but I'd become a, quite an agnostic. You know, my opinion was, well, if there is a God, fine, you can't prove it by me. But God began to stir something. I began to be dissatisfied when I should be satisfied. And my wife had gotten saved, and I saw a change in her. And anyway, before you know it, I was saved. And we all have our own story. God begins to work in people and to convict us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And we, and we begin to wonder. We begin to ask ourselves questions about God and life after death and what is this all about and all these kind of things. And God begins to work in us and draw us by his spirit to himself. But not everyone responds to God's drawing. Interesting scripture in John chapter 3. We often quote verse 16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But then it says, God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 
and he who believes is not judged. But he who does not believe has been judged already because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And listen to what it says in verse 19. And this is the judgment, verse 19, that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Not everyone responds. People, a lot of people, they just, they like what they're doing. They like living. You know, there, there is a physical and emotional reward to sin. It said in Hebrews about it, it said, Moses forsook the passing pleasure of sin. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, those people out there drinking in the bars, they're all miserable. No, they're not miserable. They're having a great time. They think they are. But they're deceived. They don't know it, and they couldn't believe it if you told them. They love the darkness. And what happens if you continue to resist the Spirit of God? And the Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, seducing spirits, and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of lies, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. And then it goes on. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from certain foods, etc but seared. If we suppress, if someone just continues to resist God and the, the, the wooings of God, you might say, the moving of God in their life, if they continue to resist him and continue to resist him and continue to resist him, after a time it's possible that the conscience became, became, can become seared. It's like it's hardened to the things of God and the spirit of God won't, can't, can't get through anymore. The more someone suppresses the truth, ignores the voice of the Spirit, the harder it is for the Spirit to speak to them. And if this continues, the conscience can become so seared that it can't hear the Spirit anymore. And the result of that is disaster. Someone ignores the conviction of the spirit long enough. They eventually stop hearing the voice of God. And the Bible says that God at that point will turn them over to a reprobate mind. They and they'll live in their rebellion and encourage others to do likewise. In Psalm 14, Psalm 14 starts, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. 
because they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then it says this, do all the workers of wickedness not know who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord that there they are in great dread for God is with the righteous generation. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Do the workers of iniquity not know that there they are in great dread? Isaiah chapter 5 says, Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. The world is a mess and it's getting messier. And the only thing necessary, Edmund Burke wrote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Actually, that's kind of a summation of a, of a, of a, of a long paragraph that he wrote in a letter. But the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So what's our response? What's our responsibility as Christians, as the church? It's to pray. If somebody wants to demonstrate, fine. Somebody wants to protest, fine, or whatever. But we need to pray. Prayer is the key. And if we won't pray, God won't move. There's a scripture we quote so often. But it's, it, to me, it's, it's just a key in Second Chronicles where it says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says, if we'll do that. And see, it's, a, it's almost like God says, the first move is ours. If we will turn our hearts to God, if we will humble ourselves, if we will pray, if we will cry out to him and seek him and, and turn from our wicked ways and we'll start living for him with all of our hearts, God says, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I'll heal your land. I don't know how he'll do it, but he'll do it. Why? Because he's God, that's why. One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible is in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. And Ezekiel is recounting the sins of the people, the sins of the leaders, the sins of the priests, the sins of the people, the sins of the nation. And he says this in Ezekiel chapter 22. He says, and I looked for a man to stand in the gap, but I found none. I looked for someone who would pray. I looked for someone who would stand in the gap, who would intercede, who would cry out on behalf, of, but I couldn't find anyone. And I tell you, that's why the enemy resists prayer, because he knows that God hears prayer, that God answers prayer, that God will move if we'll pray. And if we will pray and cry out to him, God will begin to move in our nation, and he'll begin to turn some things around, and we will see a move of God and a return to righteousness. And I don't know how long it might take. It may, it may not happen in my lifetime, but it can happen if we'll, if we'll just take this as an assignment, as a... As a Command from God and just do it, hallelujah. Say, God, we are going to pray. We're not going to stand idly by and watch our nation go down the toilet. We are going to fast and pray and cry out to God for our nation, for him to move and watch what he does. 
God is bigger than unrighteousness. God is bigger than wickedness. God is bigger than sin. He's bigger than it all. And he will move if we, if we will just turn our hearts to him and seek him with all of our hearts. The world is infected by the worst virus. But we have to be careful as Christians that the virus of apathy and complacency doesn't infect us. You know, well, what, it's not bothering me. Well, it's not bothering me, but it bothers me. And I'm going to pray. Guard your heart, the Bible says, with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. We have to guard our hearts so we don't become complacent or apathetic, but we also have to guard our hearts so we don't become angry. Because that's one thing, I, when I see some things, like this last, this last statement, this last thing that happened in New York State, you know, it, I just want to get angry. I just want to get mad. But the Bible says that the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. So I have to be careful. You know, I really think sometimes the devil doesn't care what side of an argument you're on. As long as you just get mad about it, then he's got you. So we have to guard our hearts. We have to not be complacent at the, at the other time, not just get mad and upset and start lambasting and calling names. And no, that doesn't work either. We have to keep our hearts right, but we have to pray. We have to cry out to him. You know, there may have been a time in the body of Christ where we could have been, been a little bit less on our guard. Things might have been easier. But it's time to step up. Time for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. And he ever lives to make intercession. We, we need to ever live to make intercession ourselves. And I'm telling you, I just want to encourage you. Doesn't mean you always have to come together, but pray. Pray for our country. Pray for our nation. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever so that they might not see the glorious gospel. Excuse me. And I'll just close with this. In 1 Corinthians, I was getting this scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Well, wasn't Paul already a Jew? Yeah, but he wasn't, he had kind of, he wasn't, not that he wasn't a Jew, but he was, he'd kind of separated himself from, from this legalistic Jewish system. But to the Jews, I became as a Jew. So that I might win Jews. To those under the law, as under, as under the law, though not being under the, myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. So as we go about our lives, We live for God. But at the same time, 
don't, don't get so separated from other people that you can't speak into their lives. You know, when I get around Catholic people, I talk about the fact that I was raised Catholic, that I was an altar boy, and I remember Latin Mass. And, you know, I want to befriend Catholics because I want to see some Catholics get saved. You know, if I'm around some other people, I just, I, I don't try to be like them. Paul, Paul would mingle with people. He's, I mingle with sinners. Not that I sin, but I'm not afraid to mingle with sinners. I'll be all things to all people. Why? So that I might save some. So this is our heart. This is the heart of the church. God, we want, we want you to come. We want you to move in our midst. We thank you that you are God. We, will, we want to see almost like a Mount Carmel experience in our nation. Let God show up and let him be God and let him be convincing people. But at the same time, I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm gonna, I want people to be drawn to me so I can speak into their lives and save some. Hallelujah. And bring as many to heaven as I can. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church is going to become evangelistic and the church is going to become a warrior in the spirit and we can see that we can see God move and be God is still God and he's on the throne and nothing's going to move that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.